You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. Have a fantastic guest today, Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings, to talk about where that Vikings team has been recently and where they are going in 2021. Are you preparing for those fantasy football drafts? You can listen to Locked On Dynasty, which is co-hosted by my co-host here, Mr. Matt Williamson, and the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast with Vinny Iyer of Sporting News, providing you the edge you need in your fantasy football leagues. Winning your league starts with the right data, and Locked On Fantasy Football is a daily podcast all year round that has that data for you and never fails. Subscribe to Locked On Dynasty, Locked On 49ers, the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, and the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. Everywhere you find your podcasts. Now, let's bring on today's guest, Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings. You can find him on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. You can also catch him once a week on our national show, Locked On NFL. Luke, appreciate you joining the show today, seeing that shiny blue check next to your name. I hope you like that Twitter handle, at Luke Braun NFL, because you can't change it now. Welcome to the Verified Club. It was fun seeing a lot of the, the hosts, me included, getting verified the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm now uh, permanently connected to the tacky NFL and the Twitter handle thing. Hey, I got one of those. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, I would worst. never put those letters on my handle, that's for sure. Well, it's better than, I mean, when I got verified, I was at ESPN. And when I was getting on Twitter, they really wanted me to be at Williamson ESPN. And then I'd be stuck there. I mean, that was oh, I mean, yeah. I, 10 nice years. But I'm like, I'm not associating myself with ESPN for the next 50 years. I mean. So I went with NFL. That's a wonderful story. <laughs> Not a bad. I think that was a good career move for you because now you've got the <laughs> NFL, which is a lot better. But you know, you can't start covering the NBA or something now. I wouldn't. I, I would, you know, live under the bridge, homeless, if I did that. So there's only one thing in this world I do well. So I'm doing it. I think we need a host for Locked On Seattle Kraken, Matt. I know you're a hockey fan. <laughs> Let's talk Vikes. They're yeah. an interesting team. Yeah, they're a super interesting team, and that's why we brought Luke on today's program. Uh, Luke, before we get into it, I, I have some very specific things to ask you about the Vikings roster. I was just looking, at, uh, reminding myself what went on with the Vikings last year and looking at a 7-9 and nine team that finished third in the NFC North. And one of the things that really stood out to me just overall was because, you know, a lot of teams, you come into the year and it's like, look, we got to win the division. We got to beat the teams in our division. But uh, that wasn't really necessarily a problem with the Vikings. The Vikings at seven and nine, four of those seven wins came in the division, swept the Detroit Lions and then split with the Bears Mm -hmm. and the Packers, which is, I think, from a Vikings perspective, a fine way to go finish the season if you got four wins inside the division but that means there was only three wins on the year outside the division so overall what kind of a team was it what kind of a season was it what went wrong with the Vikings that kept them out of the playoff hunt and unable to beat a majority of the teams on their schedule last year yeah so there's a bunch of answers to that and they're all hilarious um but real quick, I got to shout out Erica Ayala, who does Locked on Kraken. We do have Locked on Kraken. Oh, we do have Locked on Kraken. Uh, I just saw the, uh, I, shout out to Erica. I just saw the uh, expansion draft stuff happening, and I was like, okay, that's that's really cool. I think we should do a segment on uh, NFL players that we would protect on my Locked on 49ers show, uh, especially in the slow <laughs> yeah. season and the off season. And I was like, expansion. so yeah, we work quickly here on the network. We already got a host for a team that hasn't played any games yet. I love it. Oh, yeah, we're all over it, all over it. And Erica's doing great. Um, okay, yeah, so 2020 was a disaster year. And 
it that it only ended up seven and nine, I think undersells how much stuff went wrong and how many mistakes there were. I think the offseason, I've said for a long time, the 2020 offseason might be the worst one Spielman's ever had. And it's definitely the worst one the Vikings have had in, in the last like decade or so. I don't know. Maybe you could be like, oh, but, you know, 2011 went bad or something like that. But the 2020 offseason was a catastrophe. You have uh, Stefan Diggs tweeting his way out of Minnesota. They extended Kirk Cousins, which, in my opinion, was a disastrous decision that spurred Stefan Diggs to tweet his way out of Minnesota. Mm. Um, they neglected. They, they Here's something they did. They rolled over four and a half million dollars in cap space and at multiple junctures refused to spend less than two million on cornerbacks like Darkeese Denard or Nikel Roby Coleman. And then they trotted out like Holton Hill. By the end of the year, they had Dylan Mabin and Cordria Tankersley, two names you do not need to know for the rest of your life playing cornerback. And that is kind of the next thing that went wrong, which is injuries. They lost most of their front by the time, um, by the time they were at the end of the season. Uh, of course, you know, Daniel Hunter and Michael Pierce never saw the field. They lost uh, Anthony Barr week two. They lost Eric Hendricks for the whole last month of the season. Um, and they lost they they had, you know, Eric Wilson, who is a, a fine cover kind of uh, will guy, but he's not like a, a run fit thumping linebacker and his run fits were awful. The Vikings had such a bad run defense that that by like analytics, by EPA, run offenses against the Vikings were comparable to pass offenses against other defenses. They made passing off like, you know, they, they, you say you're not supposed to run the ball because it doesn't get as many yards in, uh, as passing. Well, it does against the Vikings. Uh, <laughs> they were soft. They were Charmin ultra soft. And that is what went wrong in 2020. The offense was fine. They were like 11th in the league. Um Higher than that, if you want to go by more traditional like total yards and stuff, I think of it as an 11th in the league. I think that's fine. Room to improve, but I think it's fine. Um, but uh, defensively, they had, I mean, season on the line, game against the Bears. David Montgomery sets a career high. Five days later, they go to New Orleans, and Alvin Kamara scores six touchdowns against him in prime time. You can't have a team like that. So I think that's what went wrong. The front died. The corners were inexperienced. Um, so early in the season, you had a lot of miscommunication late in the season. You were soft. A lot of good, well, a lot of disastrous stuff there. I was about to say a lot of good stuff, a lot of disastrous stuff you mentioned there. I'm a big yards per play guy in terms of, you know, looking at the mm -hmm. whole season and the Texans and the Vikings were two of the most extremes yard per play in terms of great on offense, which might shock some people. They were both near the top of the league, Houston and Minnesota, and at the bottom of the league on defense. So I kind of look at that as a favorable situation for Minnesota, especially considering who their head coach is. You get guys like Michael Pierce back and put him next to Tomlinson, just talking about stopping the run up the middle, things like that, those linebacker mm -hmm. injuries. So I kind of look big picture – a little more positively about the Vikings. Maybe that's just a going forward thing. I'm with you going forward. I think yeah. the 2020 Vikings were a disaster. And this time last year, I was like, oh, I'm kind of worried about these cornerbacks guys. And what happens if somebody gets hurt? And we were just kind of finding out that Daniel Hunter had a tweak in his neck. And we didn't know that it was a, 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 a herniated disc yet. And that's kind of how that works. You know, with herniated discs, they feel like a tweak in your neck until suddenly you're like, actually this hurts way worse and you have to get surgery in October. Um, so we didn't know the full extent of the front stuff, but I remember being like, I'm kind of worried about this team. I don't think they're very good guys. 
And right now, I feel I couldn't feel further from that. Um, I feel like the defense has been fixed, reconstructed basically from scratch. You've got Patrick Peterson, Xavier Woods, Mackenzie Alexander in places where it used to be, uh, you know, Holton Hill and Mike Hughes. You've got yeah. Dalvin Tomlinson working in. You have Sheldon Richardson working in on that interior. Daniil Hunter is hopefully going to be back, although obviously the, that disc injury can come back any minute. I'm a little worried about Stephen Weatherly on the other side. Uh, maybe a third round rookie or something comes in and beats him out for that other edge job. But I think that is like the only weak position on the defense right now. Otherwise, you've got two elite linebackers. You've got um, good corners. You've got elite safeties everybody's raving about xavier woods right now and how good of a communicator he is and how quickly he's picked everything up and how much chemistry he has with everybody i mean unprompted multiple different people in multiple different places have been like yeah xavier woods is the guy impressing me so i'm wow. so bullish on this defense right now i bet on him to win the division i don't care what happens with aaron Rodgers. over eight and a half wins is their over under at bet online right now i'm all over him right now Okay, but th so this is coming from a guy who was down on the 2020 team, and you're way up on the 2021 team. So this is a this is a exactly. realistic host of Locked On Vikings here, and I have to imagine your listeners last year were, got mad at you for being down on the Vikings, but now they can trust you, knowing that you say, "Hey, look, this team is coming back strong in 2021." Right? Did did, did you <laughs> did you earn the trust of your Vikings listeners on the Locked On Podcast Network? Now they know they can trust you that the Vikings are back in 2021. So the thing about Vikings fans is uh, they it, it doesn't matter if they trust me or not. They'll never trust the Vikings. <laughs> uh, they've been hurt too much. Burned too many times. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, so it's, it's like a, a wounded it, dog. <laughs> it, it's like that ex-girlfriend. They just cannot trust them, but they can't quit them either. Exactly. So, I, and when I was down on them last year, I think people, uh, Vikings fans are more willing to hear that, I think, than than it seems from other Vikings fans. Now, look, if you're not a Vikings fan and you start being like, well, I don't know if Justin Jefferson's the best wide receiver in the league, you'll get mobbed. And rightly so, because you're wrong. Uh, but, <laughs> but the w when it comes to somebody like me or somebody in the Vikings going like, oh, I don't know, maybe we shouldn't get our hopes up. That that sort of uh, defensive pessimism is, I think, what it's called, is, I, I think, welcome. Yeah, I think a lot of fan bases can relate. It's odd being a fan of a team because you think they're the greatest and the worst all at the same time. I, I have some questions for you, though, Luke, when it comes to draft strategy. So we'll start with some of the younger players on that Vikings roster and what the plan is to fix some of what illed the team in 2020 for a better outlook in 2021. The draft is over. First, second, third wave free agents have signed. We've seen uh, what these teams look like now in spring practices. BetOnline.ag. How did teams improve? Do you think a certain team's chances to win the Super Bowl next year have changed? Win some money on it at BetOnline.ag. They've also got some fresh odds on Offensive Rookie of the Year. Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, second, tied with Trey Lance. Kind of like Zach Wilson at 7-1. to one. Kyle Pitts, 11-1 to one on the defensive side for Rookie of the Year next season. Micah Parsons leads that at 4-1. to one. Jalen Phillips, 7-1. to one. J.C. Horn and Patrick Sertan at 10-1, to one, along with Zayvon Collins. And the second rounder, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, one of the steals of the draft, in my opinion, 12-1 to one odds. NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball, Table Games, Poker, 
All you got to do to get involved in the action is head to the website at betonline.ag or the mobile app. Use promo code Locked On when signing up to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Luke, Matt, and I talk a lot about team building here on this show. I think we both geek out on that side of the NFL, what front offices are doing. What is the Vikings front office doing? The Minnesota Vikings have drafted 26 players in the last two drafts. The 11 players drafted in 2021. Obviously, it's a little too early to know exactly what they got there. But, you know, Christian Darrisaw locked that pick later in round one by Davis. And you had Kellen Mond, who's got a ton of talent at quarterback. And so we'll see what happens there. But I want to specifically focus on that 2020 draft of 15 players. Mm -hmm. 10 day three picks, if I'm not mistaken. Obviously, a home run already with Justin Jefferson in round one. But tell me about the rest of the draft from Gladney, Ezra Cleveland, on down to Kyle Hinton, the guard from Washburn. Did the strategy work out? What are the early returns on some of these later round picks? Is it is Are these players that are going to fill out the roster? Or, or was it just a, a bunch of wasted trade downs because they didn't get enough impact in a team that needed some impact in that division? Luke, real quick, I want to piggyback off that question because a huge theme I keep bringing up this last month and people are going to be sick of me saying it is I think because of last year's pandemic, a lot of the guys that were mid and late round picks, we as fans, analysts just don't have a great beat on. You know, there's no preseason. Yeah. Do you have a, a, a group of these guys that were recently drafted? And as Brian mentioned, no one's had more than the Vikings lately that might be unknowns to listeners, but are probably pretty valuable players. You know, I, I don't think on the Vikings, I think the players on the Vikings that are working out, you already know. Um, okay. Because a lot of rookies got in because they had to, because everybody was injured. So I think you got a decent look at the Vikings class and it looks like a slam dunk. And that's the thing about the 15 players. You can miss out on eight of them and still get seven good players, right, which is more than anybody draft, else gets right, in their draft. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's kind of the, the beauty of the strategy. All of their seventh rounders, I, I think, were uh, didn't make the team. Brian Cole was cut before cut day, even. Uh, they had one of them got hurt, Kenny Willickis, and he's coming back. But everybody else is pretty much out. Uh, and you you just didn't get a lot from that whole, like, day three. And that was totally okay because you kind of could afford it. Look, in a draft class, imagine a normal draft class once per round. And you end up with Justin Jefferson, Ezra Cleveland, who's starting left guard now, um, Jeff Gladney, who should have been part of the starting rotation, although now he's facing a suspension for a domestic violence issue. So I don't pin, put a pin in that for now. Um, Cameron Dantzler, who broke out near the end of the season as one of the better corners in the league um, as a, a third round pick. And just imagine a draft getting, you know, Justin Jefferson, a superstar, Cameron Dantzler, good starting cornerback, and Ezra Cleveland, who hopefully will become an OK guard at least, but is, is still a starter for you by year two. That's a good draft, no matter what else happens for the rest of it. And so I, I think the 2020 draft is an absolute home run. Not as high as on the 2021 draft as I was about this time last year about the rookies. I was really big on Jefferson. I loved Gladney coming out. Um, but I, I'm not as big on it because this year, the 2021 draft is a lot of projects. Kellen Mond currently is taking quarterback three reps. He hasn't even taken overtaken Jake Browning out of Washington for the backup quarterback job yet. And I don't know if he does this year. Chaz Surratt, he's a quarterback playing linebacker. He's going to take forever to develop. They've got a guy like Janarius Robinson out of Florida State, going to take forever to develop. So it's a very, uh, you know, slow developing. 
lot of projects, a lot of high upside athlete types. And Christian Derrissaw and Wyatt Davis, I think, are the only two that we can really expect to make a significant, meaningful contribution if they win their uh, battles on the offensive line. Maybe Patrick Jones out of pit will get into the rotation a little bit, but otherwise they're not going to get nearly as much help out of their draft class as they did last year. Hopefully they won't need to. Actually a little bit surprised there that Kellen Mond isn't doing more when he was the number three quarterback in this draft class, according to uh, Chris Sims, right? I'm sure that Chris Sims (laughs) stuff was shared a lot after the Vikings draft, getting him down at number 66. He's just not ready. It's it's a matter of not ready. I mean, he will. I, I think he will be better than Jake Browning. He just isn't right now. And he might take a year, but he has just so much to learn about, um, you know, timing, about footwork. There's so many things about his game that need to be tweaked and retooled um, that they didn't really worry about as much at A&M because of the the just I, I think it's just coaching points that A&M didn't care much about, which is fine. Um but in particular, footwork and timing are a big one. Balls out late a lot with Kellen Mond. And, you know, you're just transitioning to the NFL. You got to learn a whole new playbook. You got to learn the Vikings offense and all that stuff. That takes some time, and that's okay. Um, but it's not like he's going to push Kirk Cousins anytime soon. A lot of people aren't even expecting it next year either and are saying, okay, maybe by 2023 we can make a decision here. I would assume that the the plan is to give Mond a lot of preseason snaps. Um, yes. a, a rookie didn't mention that I think could be an impact guy. I mean, impact's a big word. It is Amir Smith-Marset. I mean, I think he could be the third yeah. receiver this year. I'm really excited about him. But I want to focus on the offensive line a little bit because I mentioned earlier in the show, you know, yards per play, Minnesota was great on offense. But I think all of us would say their O-line in general was average at best. You know, Dalvin Cook made the running game go better more than the blocking. And, you know, the, the, the receivers and passing game – helped more than the protection. But now, I mean, I'm sitting here looking at the depth chart. Cleveland's in his second year. Derrissaw is in his first year. Davis is in his first year. Bradbury's only a year older than those guys. O'Neal's only a year older than those guys. High pedigree players. And, you know, I think Davis would have went much earlier if he came out a year earlier. I think the future is really bright. Yeah, I I think the future is really bright for this line. I hope you're right because the offensive line's been bad for a decade. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, there might be some know, growing pains this year with the youth and, you know, I mean, Derrisaw might be an Andrew think, Thomas-like yeah. rookie year, you know, who knows, but long-term, I like where it's at. Sure. Yeah, I, I am not, I, I don't think as high on Derrisaw as a lot of Vikings fans are. I wasn't big mm-hmm. on him pre-draft. I'm trying to stick to that, not be a homer. Um, but it's a lot of it is just because he just wouldn't finish plays. He would just kind of like stop in the middle of plays, like too often in a way that I've yeah. never seen before, um, especially against bad competition. When they played the lesser I, I, teams, he went through the motions yeah. a lot. So he is currently in a battle with Rashad Hill, who I should mention as the guy that you don't know about. And you maybe should Rashad Hill was a practice squad poach in 2016. And he's just been kind of slowly incubating ever since. Um, and he's been a backup that's gotten in the game every once in a while when somebody gets hurt. Um, he had uh, saw a coaching guru. He fixed his footwork and he looked a lot better when he got in in 2020. Now it was a small sample. So, you know, big old grain of salt. But my whole thing has been like, guys, don't assume Christian Derrissaw starts. Uh, he has to mm. win a battle. And I think Rashad Hill puts up more of a fight in that battle than we expect from him. Uh, Wyatt Davis is also in a battle with a guy named Dakota Dozier, who's one of the worst offensive linemen I've ever seen. Um, he was and, horrible last year. Yeah, it, he was unbelievably bad. 
uh, like yeah. eyes popping out of sockets in both pass and run too. It's not one of those things where he gave a bunch of sacks, but he did quiet run game things. I think that applies to Garrett Bradbury. Um, and Brian O'Neill is going to get extended probably here sometime in the next month around the start of camp. Uh, so I think Brian O'Neill is a set and solid piece. I like Garrett Bradbury. That's a controversial take among, among Vikings fans. He's a controversial figure. Um, and Ezra Cleveland is a tackle playing guard. He has a lot of tackle habits. Hopefully he's broken them now that he's had a whole off season where they told him you're playing guard, buddy, learn your guard habits, learn guard timings, learn how to set quicker, learn how to do all that stuff. Um, that hopefully will be a little bit better, but it was a pretty bad unit in 2020. Uh, it was, I think 26th ranked in, in PFF. And I think if you wanted to go by anybody else's pressure numbers, it doesn't get better than that. Uh, it was a pretty rough unit in pass protection. It was a good unit in run blocking. Um, and it got worse because you lost Riley Reef. You replaced him with a rookie that might not even win his job. Uh, and even though you're getting rid of the right guard disaster, that was like Drew Samia for a while. You still have a decent chance Dakota Dozier starts. If Wyatt Davis isn't ready, if he's not, you know, if, if his knee is still slowing him down or something like that, there's a lot of different ways that this O-line can be pretty rough in 2021 and it's definitely a thing that people are concerned about I want to talk about those pass catchers the passing game uh, you mentioned Justin Jefferson and the home run of the 2020 draft really with just him alone it's looking like I mean just superstar path we're talking about yeah. Odell Beckham Jr. type rookie season for Justin Jefferson and then old reliable with Adam Thielen on the other side looking like uh, just a rock solid tandem as far as notes on Justin Jefferson as a rookie because I remember him being an evaluation where it was like ah, I like this guy but he was supposed to be 6'3 came in at 6'1 only lined up in the slot in 2019 has that route running style that reminds me a little bit of like Stevie Johnson back in the day and is like well is he, is he just you know open because nobody's pressing him because he's in the slot and he has a two-way go or is this going to translate in the NFL and obviously translated what did you see yeah. from Justin Jefferson as a rookie and what made him so great right away yeah the slot only thing was a big old mistake by everybody who said slot only because slot only was only 2019 in 2018 he played mostly outside and he was never really a slot guy before that um, but people didn't notice Justin Jefferson. I wrote an article at zonecoverage.com where I write articles uh, about Justin Jefferson's kind of rise through the recruiting ranks and stuff. He was a very overlooked player, mostly because he was a late bloomer, just didn't grow up till he was older. Um, and he only he really 40 was... times as a prospect. Didn't he, didn't he run poorly yes. as like a 16, 17 year old, something like that I'd read. Yeah, he ran. He had a bad 40 and it was at some camp where he wasn't ready to run it yet. And uh, yeah. teams totally overlooked him. And the only reason he got into LSU was as a legacy thing, because both his brothers played there. Yeah. Um, and he was so he was this totally overlooked guy. By the time anybody noticed him, he was slot only because that was the year that they had Jamar Chase and LSU was doing weird things. And they won a national championship off of this. So it was very much a strategic thing, attacking everybody's you know tiny nickel corner. Um, and so he looked a lot bigger, I think. And everybody's like, oh, he's 6'3", but he really was up against 5'10 a lot. And there was, <laughs> I think, an optical illusion. Uh, and, but he wasn't slot only. And in 2018, when he really started to break out was when Rick Spielman noticed him. So Rick Spielman never saw him as slot only. He noticed him before the slot only thing. Um, his releases might be the best part of his game. And that was the concern was like, oh, are they hiding his releases? And I fell for it too. I was like, I don't know if they're hiding him for his releases. And I never really thought about his, his 2018 tape enough. And that's kind of the lesson that I learned is there's more years than last year with a prospect. Um, 
but his releases are phenomenal off of the line when somebody's pressing him. I mean, he's just dusted people in press and good corners too. Kyle Fuller and, you know, guys that like names we know. So he has, and his, his route stems are great. He has a great rocker step. He's got all this great nuanced stuff. And you can tell there are some things that he, he, uh, took from Adam Thielen um, by Justin Jefferson shares. He was not a fluke. He's just plain old good at football. And there's nothing more to no more context to that. He's just good at this. What's amazing too, is his first two games, he was not a featured player in the offense. Like he no, was the last he didn't know the playbook, playbook tell right. about, about the bye week. That's Kirk Cousins actually said that hit that they had okay. to give him a limited role because he wasn't ready. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a, not a knock on him at all, but he still put up those numbers, Horrible. which is mind boggling. Yeah, ridiculous production right away. Just like Beckham. Remember, Beckham was injured coming into his rookie season, too. And I think played 13, 14 games, maybe 12 games, something like that. Still had 1,300 yards. That's why those uh, two rookie seasons really stand out in my mind. Because not only were they amazing years, but they missed the early part and just came on like gangbusters the moment they were able to step on the field in the NFL. We got to talk some defense here. More coming up. Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings. How does this team climb to the top? of the NFC. And what's the plan with Kirk Cousins long-term? Is he the dude dude or is he just the dude right now? Heck of a lot more to do this summer and you want to look good while doing it? Maybe that pool party and man, the 2019 summer bod was looking a lot better than when you're hanging out next to the pool in 2021, right? So uh, one thing that I found that can fit into any diet, if you're trying to uh, fit in a snack, get one that's high in protein, low in sugar, and that is Built Bar. They're the best tasting protein bar on the market, but they are healthy too, which is exactly what I have a feeling you're looking for. And if you're not sure exactly which flavor to try or you haven't tried them all and you just want more flavors, build yourself a box of Built Bars or maybe find one of their limited edition flavors that can pop up at any time. Many bars have only 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, only 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams of of net carbs, even good for a keto diet. And best of all, you can save 15% using promo code LOCKED15 at BuiltBar.com. Just go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you will get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. To flip it over to defense, you know, we talked about Hunter. Him coming back is massive, without question. Weatherly's a decent player. I just don't see many other pass rushers other than Hunter, though. Is it going to be heavy blitz? Are there guys I'm not giving credit to? I understand there's some rookies in the mix, but no, uh, it's I don't a see a lot of sure. pass rush. Yeah. Yeah, pass rush is definitely a concern because before they brought in Sheldon Richardson, I was like screeching about it, and people were like, oh, calm down. They have Dalvin Thomas. It's like, he's not a pass rusher. Uh, yeah, he pushes and, the pocket a little, but he's... And, and Daniel Hunter knows, has yeah. a... Yeah, and Daniel Hunter has an easy to aggravate neck injury. Like those things can pop right back up. Look at what happened with JJ Watt. And then suddenly, what are you going to do? Uh, blitz everybody, right? Like if an offense just decides to double team Daniel Hunter every play in their protections, what do you have to punish that? And now mm-hmm. the answer is Sheldon Richardson at least gives you something, right? And he won't be the in on every down. I don't think he'll be in on obvious rundowns or on like first downs. I don't think he'll be an every down player for the Vikings, but at least on, you know, third down kind of situations, stuff where you really, really need a pass rush. They can't just double Daniel Hunter and get away with everybody else not being a great pass rusher. Um, but I do still think it's a pretty weak pass rush. The run defense will be a lot better. 
and hopefully the the plan will be that they can uh present a lot of light boxes and get run on a lot and then you're basically enticing a lot of people to run right into michael pearson dalvin tomlinson which good luck uh and that's very similar to what the giants did when they had dalvin tomlinson and dexter lawrence over there um and it's not unlike what the rams did either although you know they have aaron donald so it worked a little bit differently because he's a much different style of player um but it allows you to play too high and not allow the deep ball exactly yeah keep the safeties out of the box let let harrison smith roam around you know try to jump plays play robbers and rats and stuff um, and and get a little creative. But I do think there's going to have to be a lot of blitzing because I don't think you can just sit there and expect Stephen Weatherly to produce like a starting defensive end. He didn't in Carolina, and he was good as a rotational guy, but I think the, the jump up to starting was a little bit too steep for him. So if the, the linebackers are doing a lot of blitzing and maybe even blitzing from the secondary and maybe you don't get home, it's going to put some pressure on the back seven of that Vikings mm-hmm. defense. And a guy like Eric Kendricks, who's really good in coverage, he's just so smart. He, he's a player that doesn't get talked about enough as the best, one of the best linebackers in the NFL. But I love the way that, that he plays. And it reminds me a little bit of uh, Jamal Adams in a way where players that move before the, the offense moves. They know what's going on, jump things that other people yeah. don't see, and they just put themselves in positions to make plays that other players wouldn't, just strictly from the neck up. So those types of players I always really enjoy watching, and Eric Kendricks is one of those, and he almost stole a playoff game from the 49ers, and Jimmy Garoppolo was what kept going his way, and, and he did jump one and almost got another couple in that yeah. game uh, and, and nearly was enough to to try to take that game back from the 49ers. But I just wanted to shout out Eric Kendricks there and then ask the question about that back seven and in coverage, if the addition of Patrick Peterson is enough with those young players you mentioned in Gladney, if he's able to play this year or how much he's able to play this year with the suspension looming, uh, Cam Dantzler, the other second-year guy, and then Woods to go along with Harrison in the middle of that secondary. Yeah, well, hopefully being able to play more too high gives them the advantage they need. That's kind of the payoff for for all the light box stuff and and for having basically two nose tackles up front instead of a nose and a penetrating three technique all the time. Um, but yeah, I, I, Harrison Smith is Harrison Smith. He'll still be Harrison Smith. Um, he's always been one of the best safeties in the league. I, I guess we're supposed to be excited about Xavier Woods. I thought he was fine in Dallas and, and I was really excited to get him, especially for the price that they got him. But it seems like we're we should be way higher on him if you listen to the the kind of reports coming out of Minnesota that he's somebody that keeps getting singled out. Um, I'm a big fan of Mackenzie Alexander. Uh, I actually think he might have had the best year of his career in Cincinnati um, as a pass stopping, not necessarily getting pass breakups and stuff, but getting tackles for a loss for the offense. So tackles for not enough gain, you know, one yard play tackles on under calls and stuff for Cincinnati. He was really cerebral in Cincinnati and he was one of the bright spots on that, uh, that terrible 2020 defense they had. Um, and, and so I'm so excited to have him back. I'm big on Cameron Dantzler coming into his second year. He just, he's just sticky. He's got a health issues though. He's, he's the needle. He's built like a needle and he's, he, so he breaks like a needle. Um, but if he can stay healthy, He's really exciting. And then, of course, you've got Bashad Breland and Patrick Peterson. You've got these veteran presences. Patrick Peterson won't be the guy he was in Arizona. He's not going to be locking guys down, man, everywhere he goes, doing all that. But if you can have him get you know, a reasonable match zone, play a little bit of quarters with him, um, you know, the, the Vikings can run their defense again. And that was the thing in 2020. They didn't have any corners. They spent the whole year in like vanilla Tampa, too, because that's all the players could run. So, yeah, they got smoked all the time until teams didn't even have to bother passing on them because the, the run defense got soft. And that 50 point Christmas game, 
Drew Brees passed 19 times and they hung 50. They didn't need to pass, but they could have if they wanted to. So it all needed to be reconstructed. Hopefully they'll be able to use the varied coverages that Mike Zimmer likes to use. They don't like to sit in the same shell all, all year and they had to last year. So people are mistaking them for his own defense, a cover two defense. And they're not. That's just what they had to do because they couldn't run anything else. And hopefully if they can run other stuff, the coverage will kind of go back to what we're used to seeing from Mike Zimmer defenses. I like what you said about Patrick Peterson. Like, don't look at him like he's Dion or Revis and he's going to follow around Devontae Adams, you know, yeah. every snap of the game. But if he if he's a solid player on his side of the field, he's still very talented. He's, he has size. He can come up and tackle. That's a nice, solid addition, in my opinion. Yeah, the worst plays he had in Arizona last year were plays where he got dragged into the slot because he was shadowing somebody. Stefan Diggs destroyed him in their game against the Bills. Uh, Terry McLaurin got him that way. DK Metcalf got him in both of their games that way. Uh, they would just they would figure out, oh my God, they're still having Patrick Peterson shadow. They would move the guy into slot, and Patrick Peterson just doesn't have the goods to keep up from a two-way go. That's no, fine. No. Give him the sideline. Let him play sides. Let him take whatever matchup you want. And and I think he'll he'll have the technique to to pay that out. But I think it's actually kind of a big indictment. And I, I, when I talked to Bo and Alex, a locked on Cardinals, we did a crossover when they signed him. They agreed. They were like Arizona misused him terribly. He clearly didn't have the goods to do what they asked him to do. So hopefully the Vikings can be a little bit smarter than that. Um, but it's it's I, I think people are kind of assuming that he's like not even going to be a starter. And that's, I think, a bridge too far. And you do have Bashad Breland rotating in as well. So you can keep the old guy fresh. So a lot of young talent there on the Minnesota Vikings roster offensively and defensively. Hopefully they can fix that 30th DVOA run defense. But I've got one last question to finish up here and it's about the offensive side of the ball and we haven't talked a lot about Kirk Cousins yet on this episode and I'm sure that's the thing that people usually want to talk to you about my question to you is what's the plan with Kirk Cousins and for lack of a better term are they sort of like half-assing their plan at quarterback Uh, because it sounded like they wanted to move up maybe in the draft a little bit maybe go get uh, Justin Fields they didn't want to pony up a lot in draft capital to do so um, yeah, they didn't want to move they, up that bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I think there was a phone call with. I think it was the Vikings were on the phone in that. Um, it was the Cardinals, and they offered like uh, I think a third and a fourth to move up, like yeah. from fourteen to eight. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, they wanted. Uh, they got sniped for Justin Fields. They wanted to move up and get him. Well, it's like, well, they, they didn't want it that bad because a team from twentieth came up and got him uh, ahead of him. So, no. um, but then they ended up with Kellen Mond, and they've sort of you know, overpaid in a lot of ways for Kirk Cousins, but he's been a good quarterback for them, had a really nice year. What's the what's the plan, do you think, long term for Kirk Cousins? Is he truly the guy or are they just kind of letting the letting the market decide what they're going to do in a way at that quarterback position? So the plan with Kirk Cousins has always been the same. Next year, they'll have an option. They'll have three three choices. Either they pay him the forty five million dollar fully guaranteed cap hit that they've promised him. That seems kind of beyond the pale. Uh, They could extend him to get that lower, commit to more years of Kirk Cousins, or they could trade him away to somebody else. I don't know. Maybe there's a wide zone coach out there that's completely obsessed with Kirk Cousins. They could trade the guy too. Too late. Uh, (laughs) You don't know that. Uh, But... but that So that's that's the plan. And Spielman's very big on, you know, no stone unturned, all options on the table. Call Carolina, give them a low ball, see if they want to be dumb today. But I don't think that uh, is like this. Oh, they were really just trying to scrape and claw and get up to the draft and get Justin Fields. They liked Justin Fields, 
but they didn't unanimously like him more than Kellen Mond. They didn't like Justin Fields that much. And if Justin Fields kills it for the Bears, then the Vikings, I think, get to be called wrong about that. But they weren't that high on Justin Fields. Some people in the org were worried about his like epilepsy. Some people just weren't high on his eval. And they were basically divided in that room over Kellen Kellen Mond versus Justin Fields. And then they end up with Kellen Mond. So some people are probably pretty happy about that. Um, but they basically they wouldn't trade a first round pick in 2022 to go up and get Justin Fields. That is the conscious choice they make. And it's the one we get to criticize or praise them about, depending on how Justin Fields turns out right now. It's Kirk Cousins until it isn't. Um, if Kellen Mond comes along and is great and I'm super wrong about him and he and he actually is really good and he's ready to start by week eight, you know, then you're probably leaning more toward the trade part of the extender trade crossroads that they get next year. Um, or if the cap, you know, explodes more than we think it does. I mean, I know there's a ceiling on it, so I don't think it can explode enough. But there is a, a scenario where eh, maybe you do just pay him the 45 and maybe that doesn't look as weird now that the cap has gone up or something like that. But the, the Spielman's about options and they have options and they have a decision that they get to make next year and they don't have to make this year. So for this year, Kirk Cousins is the guy for next year. We'll see what happens. It depends a lot on Mon, depends a lot on the cap, depends a lot on who's asking. Just adds to that intrigue in the NFC North, too, with Justin Fields in that division now, too. And uh, and I think a yeah. lot of teams were split on Justin Fields. That's come Jared become, Goff and Jordan Love. It's great. Yeah, it's becoming <laughs> it's all fun and games until Aaron Rodgers comes back and crashes the party in the NFC North. All right. Fantastic stuff. That is Luke Braun at Luke Braun NFL on Twitter. Find him daily at the Locked On Vikings podcast. Back tomorrow with the Twitter Tuesday at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL.